Hey folks, in this interview, I'm sitting down with Mr. Mike McCoy. He's a photojournalist out of Washington, D.C. We're going to be talking about his work in and around Section 27 at Arlington National Cemetery. This is Twitter. Hey, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today, uh, we're going to be diving deep into some important work. Um, we're going to be, as I said in the intro, we're going to be talking about Arlington National Cemetery, which in and of itself is a deep topic. But specifically, we're going to head over to Section 27 there. And if you haven't heard about Section 27 at Arlington National Cemetery, you will know all about it after this interview. The guy that has made it part of his mission to tell the story of that section of the cemetery is Mike McCoy. He is here with me. He is in Washington, D.C. He's a photojournalist that has covered that area of the cemetery and uh, and done some amazing pictures, which I'll show during this interview. So, uh, Mike, I want to get started with this. And just for the folks who may not know what Section 27 is, most people, well, even even Arlington National Cemetery. Right. So if you're this, this interview will go out global. So people in the United States probably know what Arlington is. People outside may not know. So let's start there. What is Arlington National Cemetery? And then bring us into what is Section 27? Arlington Cemetery is one of the largest uh, military cemeteries in the country. Um, it's the home of the Old Guard, and it's also home of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And <clears throat> you have veterans buried there from Megar Evers, uh, who was a civil rights activist, Joe Lewis, the Brown Bomber, and, you know, even John F. Kennedy. Wow. Wow. And that's all in that one cemetery. So it is a, it's a, it's a, an important landmark in the United States, right? So we've got a lot of people of note there. And then, and then section 27 is special, right? It's a special area of the cemetery. Why, why is it special? Um, section 27 is a very special place in the cemetery. Uh, for me, uh, not only because I'm a veteran, because I'm a, I'm a black veteran. Um, Section 27 is, is one of the, well, actually the only section um, used for the burial of Civil War soldiers and family members um, <clears throat> dating back to the 1800s. Yeah. So back in those days, black soldiers and black civilians could be buried with white soldiers and civilians, so they had their own side of the cemetery. And um, you can find everyone in the cemetery from the first person who was actually buried there, which was a gentleman by the name of William H. Christman. Um, Christman, he wasn't a war vet, but he was the first soldier to be buried on the entire cemetery grounds, which a lot of people don't know. Oh. And uh, I believe it's very important because you never hear of it. And I don't want to, like, get ahead of myself, but... You know, for those who have been to Arlington Cemetery and go on those tours, you know, those tour guides and those brochures, you know, they speak about every section in the cemetery. But when it comes to Section 27, especially in tours, you never hear the bus driver or the tour guide, you know, make mention of this section and the significance. And it's by interesting. Is it, is, it, is it an omission of ignorance, meaning they just don't know the history, or do you think is 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 there malintent there? They're like, you know what, you know the, the black folks aren't important. Let's just skip over that section completely. You know, I, honestly, man, I don't know. I don't want to put words in other people's mouths, but 
it, it could be a little bit of both. But, you know, my job as a storyteller and a photojournalist is to, you know, bring light to this, to this part of history. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the job. I mean, we talk about that on the show a lot. It's the job of the photojournalist. Because, uh, you know, I, I and with just a slight digression. Um, when, when people say that they're wedding photojournalists and there was that whole phase of wedding photojournalism, I, I took a little umbrage to that because I'm like, you know, real photojournalists like yourself are covering important topics. Not to say a wedding is not important, but it's a repeatable event. You are the photojournalist photojournalists are covering things that can change the way society thinks about a certain topic or shine a light on a particular area like section 27 that most people would just went and went their entire lives without knowing what it was about so yeah so thank you i mean this is this is important work for you you diving in there i'm like looking at the the department of the army the uh the arlington national cemetery page there and some of the stats that they have on the page are uh yeah they talk about william h chrisman um, of the 67th Pennsylvania Infantry. Also, there were uh, two unknown soldiers were interred there on May 15th, 1864. They are the first of nearly 5,000 unknowns that are there right now. Uh, and it just goes on and on. 1,500 uh, United States colored troops were inter- interred there in Section 27, the first combat soldiers of the Civil War, and even nearly 3,800 citizens um, and former slaves who were living in government facilities um, are there as well. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of folks there, right? There's a, like you said, there's, and then it goes on and on. Why do you think, Mike, that, and I know this is, a, this is an unanswerable question, obviously, it's just part of the conversation, but why do you, why do you think that that aside from the obvious racism of people don't want, you know, white people or other races buried with black people, why do you think that that continues now, right, in some ways there? I know it's not like that now, but but why is it separate? It just feels when I look at this and I read this, the fact that there is a Section 27, I'm bittersweet about it because it's like, yeah, we need a Section 27. Mike is just shining a light on it. But why is it even there? Right. Why? Why is it? Why is it? Why can't it just be everybody? <laughs> right. So what, what are your feelings about that? Like when you're there, I know emotions come up. We're both veterans. So um, black veterans. So emotions come up about this stuff. And you got to tamp down a lot of stuff when you're in the military. So what what are your feelings about the whole separation thing? Uh, I mean, in a perfect world, I would love to see everyone come together as one. But, you yeah. know, that's that's going to be a work in progress. But I mean, it makes me feel kind of way, you know, because the efforts that, you know, we as black and minority soldiers, you know, um, <clears throat> contribute to the military back from the 1800s and even to, to like today's military. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's kind of like the American way. Yeah, unfortunately, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Truth, justice in the American way. <laughs> so, so when you were, when you were shooting this, um, but you, was this a self-assignment that you gave to yourself and you're just like, this is the story needs to be told. I'm going to, I'm the one that's going to tell it. I'm going to go out there. Or was it, was it part of something, something larger or different? Um, at, at the time, um, I, I was doing some research and, and I stumbled across section 27 and I, just, I figured Hey, let me go check it out. And, you know, every year I would always go to the cemetery, whether I was an assignment or not. And I would just document the cemetery. And with me being, in Iraq, that I figured staying away from Section 60 would be my best bet. 
And for those who don't know, Section 60 is one of the newer sections of the cemetery where you can find um, Iraq and Afghanistan uh, veterans. And I didn't want to go to that side of the cemetery and stumble across someone I may know. Yeah. So I always, I always make it my business to stay away from that, you know, side of the cemetery. So I would always, you know, photograph the grave of like Joe Lewis and Mega Evers. But I decided to walk over to 27. And whenever I would go to 27, I would very seldom see anyone. And if you would see someone, it was always an employee of the cemetery. You and mean when you would never see, you'd never see anybody visiting or paying respects or anything like that, right? Not at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and it sits right outside of the gate that goes into, I want to say that's like Fort Meyer or Henderson Hall. And, you know, like I said before, those tour buses come down that road and you don't hear anything. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like they do a drive-by and they, they keep it moving. <clears throat> so, uh, like, hey, there's some more. There's some more white tombstones over there. Let's go into the more important areas of the of the cemetery. Yeah, and uh, um, you know, I would always go to the cemetery and photograph around holidays. And they do the flag in for Memorial Day and Veterans Day, and in Christ- for Christmas, um, they lay wreaths on all of the uh, grave sites. Mm-hmm. And I remember. For Memorial Day, it was the day that I actually shot this project or started the project. And I would notice on the back side of 27, because 27 is not that, not that large. Mm-hmm. I noticed everyone laid the, the flags down, but on the sections right across, I noticed those sec- those graves had flags and roses, and I was a little curious why. And I said, "Well, is it because of the white soldiers, or did they run out of roses, or you know, who knows the case?" But I'm hoping that after this interview, you know, people pay more respect, maybe leave some roses, and hopefully the soldiers get the credit and the recognition that they deserve for defending this country. And that, that's that's part of your goal for doing this, right? Is to raise awareness of that that section of the cemetery. Is that the is that the big change that you want to see there? Is just just major or more recognition of that area in Arlington, um, or is there something more that that can happen there? Well, is it just just the tours or or something larger? I mean, it, it, it's it's a combination. I mean, it's bigger than that. You know, like hopefully, you know, this year can inspire, you know, some young minority. Uh, child that wants to go into the military later, hey, you know, this is what I can be, you know. This is the role that we played since the Civil War. And I, and I feel if more people know more, people would do more. Yeah. And you never know, we can have our next Colin Powell. We can have our next uh, James Chappie, which yeah. for those who don't know, James Chappie was the first four-star general of the Air Force, black general of the Air Force. Look at that. Look at that, and you and you're not going to get in trouble for saying that because you're you're uh, army, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> you can't be you can't be shining any positive light on us Air Force people. Just say, <laughs> no, he's no. and he's also buried at Arlington Cemetery as well. Oh wow! Well, so in all seriousness, seriousness, Mike. So the 
you live you live and work in DC, right? So, and DC is no stranger to it being in the news for various racism and and you know unwarranted police shootings and and abuse and all this other stuff. Like right across the street from the White House, all this stuff is going down, right? So, can you? you, you know, I know. What's that? House. And maybe inside the White House. Yeah, or maybe inside the White House. <laughs> So what do, what do you think? I mean, like as a as a black photojournalist and I know you, you know, you don't want to be labeled the black photojournalist, but as a black photojournalist, African-American photojournalist working in a hotspot like D.C., what is a day in the life for you out there? Like, what are you what are the kind of things that you shoot? And when something goes down, do you feel like it is your job to go out there and document or do you, you know what what what's your first reaction when something happens? You know, it, it, this has been a pretty unique road. Um, at first, um, it was a challenge, you know, especially being a, a black photojournalist in the uh, field dominated by men, you know, white men. Um, <clears throat> at first, no one would speak to me. But, you know, things are getting a little better now. You know, at least get the, hey, hey how's it going? Mm-hmm. But um, like I said before, I mean, it's been a challenge and, I've been fortunate enough to cover a lot of issues that affect the community that I feel like I could bring bring a voice and you know bring more awareness to. Yeah. Do you feel like do you like you feel like your camera and a lot of people say this about just you know different situations not necessarily racial but the the idea that the camera in your case the fuji which we're going to talk about in a second um but the camera is your passport into a lot of situations because i feel that and i feel like you know in some situations you go into and they automatically prejudge you as being a black male therefore it comes with all these stigmas but if you have a camera with you that de-escalates you know, you're like, oh, he's got something expensive with him. So, you know, that must be he's not going to try to take my stuff if he's got a three thousand dollar camera around his neck. Right. Do you do you, do you feel well, that you feel that out there? Well, you know, my camera is my passport. Um, it's, with photojournalism work in, in D.C. at one time before the uh, Fuji's and other mirrorless cameras started taking off, you know, especially like experienced photojournalists, they would look at you like, hey, who's this guy with a small camera? Mm-hmm. But you know, like this camera here has been like the freaking passport to like so many like you know good and bad you know situations. Um, and most importantly, this camera is my tool to connect others who may not see otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And you, like you said, you, you're shooting Fuji, and this is part of the 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 visual momentum series for Fuji. But this, you you made the choice to shoot Fuji. What was behind that? I know you're shooting with one of the smaller ones, like the, X, the XT100 and the XT3, right? So what, why are, XH1? Oh, the X. Okay, sorry. I said that. See, I don't I don't understand all these different model numbers. So with with why are you shooting those? Like, what what's the main purpose of shooting the small one and the large one? Is it just be stealthy and get in and out, or were there some other reasons? Well, first and foremost, um, the colors in those cameras are like freaking like excellent. Yeah. You know, like I'm just whew, I, I just get excited thinking about it, but. You know, like the the colors in the JPEGs are like phenomenal, and I, I love the size. You know, I can walk around with two Fujis on my shoulder all day, 
and, and not have to worry about seeing a, a chiropractor. Whereas though, if I was carrying around two heavy Nikons or Canons, you know, there's a chance that I need a chiropractor and a massage therapist. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I know. <laughs> I'm feeling like that right now. <laughs> you know, plus, you know, when you're photographing subjects, you know, you don't seem to be that much of a threat, you know, with that camera because it's small, it's intrusive, and, you know, majority of the time, people don't even know that you're there. Yeah. Also, yeah. those cameras are quiet. So, um, let's say if I was photographing um, a funeral, which I which I have in the past, you know, I could photograph a funeral without being a distraction. And yeah. that's what I love most importantly about this camera. Yeah, because like back in the day, I mean, I was I started shooting. I'm going to date myself, but I started uh, shooting for the Air Force in '89, um, and this was film Nikon giant yeah. bodies. You know, you remember that? So this is like. This is it was yeah your back my back is probably suffering now from the the damage I did way back then, um, but when you when you look at your your current kit so Fuji XH1 and the XT3 uh, I'm looking at the, I got a, I'm looking at the photographer article here and it says that you have a sixteen to thirty a sixteen to fifty five mil two eight a fifty a zoom a fifty uh, to one forty two eight and you still use a twenty three mil f two and a thirty five so. So that's it, right? That's all you carry with you all the time, those two bodies and, and that assortment of lenses, and you're able to get whatever you need from that? Uh, for the most part, yes. I also have a 200 F2, which is the 300-millimeter full-frame equivalent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also have a teleconverter um, that I can use, and it brings that up to, I want to say, like 280, 380, give or take. And I think it's like the full-frame equivalent of like 450. So let's say if I had to photograph something like at a bar, you know, that lens would definitely give me like that reach, which I've used only a handful of times. Yeah. Yeah. It's and interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that, that some, you know, it, it depends on your style of shooting. Nothing's right. Nothing's wrong. Some people want a wide angle or relatively wide angle or normal lens and then get up close and personal with the subject. But sometimes you can do that all the time. Like if you're shooting, you know, something that you have to stay a certain distance away from, you need that zoom and that reach in order to get the shot. So yeah, that is cool. So no, no strobes or anything like that. Right. So I mean like, like, like what's that? Nah, generally not, you know, like for instance, you know, if I'm shooting on the hill, <laughs> You know, like if I'm shooting in the hallways, yeah, I can pretty much shoot whatever. But if I'm shooting a hearing, you know, I can I can do away with like you know a 23 or 35. But you know, if I want to get like a really tight shot, I want to have something I can zoom in. Yeah. No, of course, yeah, because you got to have that flexibility. So as if they say you got to, this is the this is the area where photographers can stay. Don't go out of this box. You gotta you gotta change somehow. Well, speaking of the hill, Mike, and and shooting hearings on the hill <laughs> there's some breaking news hit while we were doing this uh you know that's coming out of washington so with these with these impeachment sort of things that are happening right now and you being a photojournalist in washington how does that affect you like when that happens or that the impeachment you know hearings who knows what's going to come from that but then also the elections are happening which is going to be another circus right so how does that affect a, a working photojournalist that's on the ground in Washington, D.C.? Well, you know, as a freelancer, um, it's always an opportunity to get more, more assignments. 
Um, of course, things are going to be busier. Um, they're going to be like tons of stakeouts, and I'm sure they're going to be interviews and hearings. But um, it's also a chance for us full journalists to document history. You know, mm-hmm. these events don't happen every day in Washington. You know, let's cross our fingers here. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> You know, so well, I don't know. Not, over, the, over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of stuff happening. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Washington, Washington is the center of the universe in terms of news right now. <laughs> well, it, it is an ancient capital. Yeah. 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 No, that's cool. So so back to the back to the Section 27 stuff. So, you know, just to wrap it up. As a as a photographer, the main goal, right, is to get your work seen by people, get the message out, like we said at the beginning of the, the interview, and raise awareness of topics in this case in the in the context of this interview with section 27 what do you how are you going to get the word out other than things like this like you're going to be on the full blogger obviously and on this week in photo but other than that how do you get the word out about your work once once you feel like it's at a state where you're ready to show people um you know as for this project with section 27 you know i shopped it around to a few different you know uh sources um at the time uh, i guess there really was an interest or maybe a spot in like the news cycle for it but you know I just figured I would just take the initiative myself and you know share this via social media and just you know everyday people that I come in contact with and I would always you know educate them on like 27 whether they ask or not mm-hmm. yeah there you go well that's cool man so I, I'm again thank you for doing this and putting it together um, I, I think this is this is one of the more important stories um, that needs to be told, right? And as part of this series, like we've done, we've done topics on global warming or, or climate change, depending on how you want to you want to talk about it. Um, now we're doing this, and we've talked about all kinds of you know the elderly, different stories that people are using Fuji cameras to you know as a, as a supporting character. You know, not so much as the star of the show. It's more of like you said, I love the color of this thing. I love the way it operates and it's silent and I'm able to get in stealthily and get my shots and get out. Right. So, yeah. So thank you for doing that. And I want to, I'm going to definitely follow you and have you back on the show later if you're up for it to talk about some of the other things you have going on. So with that, like what, what's, uh, what's next, you know, if you look forward into the future, I, I know there's a lot of stuff happening in Washington, but, but what, what's next for, for Mike McCoy? What's, what's uh, next on your plate? Um, you know, I, honestly, man, I just take things day by day. Um, and I can't control what happens in D.C. and I can't control what happens in the news cycle. But, you know, as a photojournalist, I'm going to use this time as an opportunity to document history. You know, because, you know, there are stories that need to be told. There are history that's being made. And, you know, someone has to, you know, record those stories. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the job of the photojournalist. If uh, Mike, if, if people want to connect with you and see the stuff that you're working on, obviously I'll have shown shots that you that you've done in, in, the, in Arlington during this interview. And there'll be some in the blog post for this episode in a gallery. But if people want to check out your work or contract you to do work or otherwise get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, there are several ways. Uh, social media. Um, Instagram, my handle is Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, the letter A, McCoy Photography. Forgive me, folks. I know it's kind of long, but had to be original. There's only one Mike McCoy. <laughs> um, my website is Michael A. McCoy Photography.com. 
Okay, perfect. And I, I'll put links to all that stuff in the in the YouTube video description and in the uh, the blog post, so people don't have to remember it. And if future Frederick remembers, he will have put the graphics on the screen while you're saying that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll see. All right, Mike, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me, man. It's, it's definitely an honor to um, <clears throat> be on the show with other fellow photographers. Um, shout out to Bunny and Nina Robinson, two dope ass like black female photographers doing yeah. that thing. And I'm fortunate to have a chance to share the same stage as these two, you know, powerful ladies. Yeah. No. And now, now you're up there. No, thank you. Yeah. It was an honor interviewing them as well. So, and the trend continues. So this is, this is good. All right, man. Well, I'll let you get onto it. I have a, I have a feeling you got some stuff to do today. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll let you get going. Mike McCoy, thank you so much for coming on, man. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Roger. This is Twitter.